total truth. No, 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 no. See the way society is built today, like a trap. It's built in a way that keeps you in the dark. Cause if your light shines through, you might figure out who and what you are. A magnificent being. Don't be scared of that. Do not be scared. That's why I'm here to help you remember the power is within. Great morning, great evening, great afternoon, depending on where you're at on this beautiful planet or this amazing universe. Welcome to Brown and Spiritual AF, where me and the amazing Dr. Isela just bring topics in, right, that really played into our lives from growing up in the brown environment, right, and then in an American society, right, and we just have um, our views on what we dealt with through spirituality and the coming of unwrapping our souls, right? How are you doing today, Miss Isela? I am doing well. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. It's been an amazing week, and we're only at Tuesday. We're only at Tuesday. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. So, as we're thinking about a topic today, um, I, you know, each time we sit down and we go, okay, what are we going to talk about? We really kind of trust. Uh, I think I'm speaking for you too. Tell me if I'm wrong, but we really trust sort of the direction that this goes in in the moment. And, you know, it really goes against all, like when I look at how to do podcasts or like how to offer um, online support to your listeners or your followers, this goes against everything. Like it said, you, you need to have a beginning, a middle and an end, a call to action. Like there's all of these things. But I have to tell you that when we sit down together, I really feel like our intent is to really trust this process and whatever comes, comes from it. Yes, definitely. I feel that way too, right? Because you asked me in the beginning, so what are we going to talk about? And I was like, well, and I threw out a little idea, right? And then we just say, okay, that sounds good. Does that, does it feel good? That's now, 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 let me, let me be really clear on that. She asked me, how does that feel? I said, you know what? I feel like we could play with that and we'll just see how it goes. And then we hear recording. Here we are, right? So this is not scripted. There's no beginning, middle, or end in mind. We're just going to see where this, where this journey takes us, right? Like life has put us on a journey, right? An adventure. And some of us ended up in places we never thought we would end up like me on this Brown and Spiritual AF podcast, right? I never, I never imagined this in my life. So yeah. So what did we say we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about um, how we make ourselves small as we engage in this earthly experience that we are having, this 3D experience that we are having. But before we get going, I want you on the front end of this, I want you to share how people can get in touch with you. Oh, for me personally right now, Mark underscore my underscore magnificence on Instagram is the easiest and best way to get me. That's where I'm mostly on all the time. Pretty soon I'll be having some other platforms since I am building my coaching brand and my coaching business and whatnot. And then my spiritual healing practices and all that will be all wrapped up into that. But for right now, Mark underscore my underscore magnificence on Instagram. And are you offering coaching right now, Mark? Yes, I am actually. And it's all basically word of mouth, right? Mm -hmm. I, I've been very fortunate that I work in the hospitality industry. So people just get to interact with me and then they ask, what is it that I do? And they say, you're so full of light and so full of life. Um, how can I get some of that? And so a lot of my, a lot of my clientele, I like to call them teammates, right? A lot of my teammates just find me through that, through friends of friends or within the spiritual community, a group of, um, amazing, beautiful souls that I work with. So that, that's how I've been really, um, staying. Uh, consistently coaching teammates, um, but 
as we move forward into the future, because like we just talked about, there are certain ways to add more value to more people, more souls across all the platforms that are available to us. Right. And you can uh, find me at www.iselagarcia.com and all my handles are there. Um, I actually also do live readings on uh, Facebook at Embracing Souls Journey. Um, and my cousin and I do free one card pools. Um, and we just give sort of these intuitive readings for folks that join us. And it's 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, so that would be 4.30 Pacific time if that's easier for folks. And so if you want to kind of, you know, have that experience, join us on Facebook and, um, and yeah, you can get the rest of my information on my website. Ooh, and now you got amazing handles in the background. I got to get it. Well, I got to get with the times like you. And you know what I mean? I need, a, I need an incredible background like that, right? Instead of these coffee cups, right? <laughs> I need some little visuals back there that show all my handles. Yes, you are inspired me right now to go to the drawing board and figure something out. Yes. Awesome. So this, go ahead. So this, so this idea of being small, right? Making yourself small, right? Are we talking like small physically? Like, honey, I shrunk the kids small, or is it, or what realm of area do you, do, do we feel people make themselves small? Like, how would we um, explain that to somebody that doesn't have any idea what the hell we're talking about? You know, as you said that, like the honey, I shrunk the kids. I think some people physically make themselves small in addition to their, their, it, it really is about showing up in truth, who you are, um, sharing with the world your unique perspectives what you bring in terms of your gifts your personality um but i know people who physically will cower into themselves who will shrink up in groups so i don't think it's just like how we present ourselves i think sometimes there's a physical nature to it kind of like an animal would do right or when you're taught when you encounter a certain animal, turn around and make yourself bigger. So then they realize, wait a minute, you're not as small as I thought you were. And it'll tend to scare. Well, you know, you're not going to probably do that to a bear, but let's just say like a coyote or something of that nature that really thinks it could like take you down the minute you make yourself a little bit more seen, then they might back off. Right. So uh, where do you think this, um, this, this creating, this, this smallness comes from, like, where do you think people tend, why do people tend to make themselves small, unseen and not want to be heard? You know, I think there are lots of layers to this. I think the first one could be personality just to begin with, like just personality, someone who doesn't like to be in the limelight, someone who doesn't want um, to be noticed. You know, I've worked with kids for many, many years, and I'll see those kids kind of go with the flow. And they're like, I don't want to be up front. I want to be in the background noticing things. I think the next layer of this could be self-worth. It's like, do I, am I important enough? Am I worthy enough? Am I enough um, for other people 
to embrace maybe my quirkiness or how assertive I am or um, my unique perspectives. So I think self-worth comes to, into play. I think another piece to this are the messages we received as children and throughout the course of our lifetime. And I think we cannot ignore the fact that, um, you know, we are in an environment here in, in the United States where there's been a history of systemic oppression. And so sometimes, I don't want to say sometimes, I think that we are deeply influenced by that, whether we are consciously aware of it or not. So you don't get a voice at the table or we didn't ask you for your opinion. And so we learn where we have um, acceptance to share our ideas, our perspectives, our values, our beliefs. And then we learn where we just kind of, you know, cower or get quiet. And we keep that under wraps because, you know, the folks that I'm surrounded by don't are or aren't interested in what I have to say. So I think there are lots of things that play into it. And again, you know, those I, I mentioned like in general, but let's go to even our parents that sometimes um, just in our playfulness or how exuberant we are, or maybe our opinions are different than our families. Sometimes the messages we receive are, yeah, we don't do that here <laughs> or that is not okay. And we get this message that we have to pack that part of ourselves, what I call in our, in our backpack or in our fanny pack, or for some of us, we have U-Haul of, of just shit that we have stored away that we have... <laughs> That has, we did not have permission to feel, to think on our own, to say things that maybe be different from our, our um, cultural values or our family beliefs and values. So I think all of these pieces come into play. What do you think, Mark? Oh, yeah, I, I, I could relate to a lot of that just speaking, right, especially when we're when we're young and we're having fun, right, and like just me and my brother are laughing, have a good old time, right, pushing rewind on a movie and listening to this part of the movie over and over. Uh, one time me and my brother got a, um, a video from um, McDonald's, right, McDonald's was giving it with Charlotte's Web. And I think I've only seen it in school, but we actually got the movie and we VHS, this is how back far this was okay if y'all don't know what a vhs is it's a tape player before dvds were even a thing or even streaming right <laughs> so me and my brother are lit sitting there and we're watching this movie and there's this part where i think the the the, the rat's name is like rumpleton or rumpleton or something anyway he's bringing back words that charlotte is gonna weave into the web right and he comes back and he brings this piece of thing and he says it says crunchy <laughs> and for whatever reason me and my brother cracked up on that part like i don't mean just like little crack it up i mean like you could hear us through the whole neighborhood and we listened to it like 10 times and i bet and i like on the 10th time 15th time my mom came in and said what the fuck you guys doing stop playing that shit you know what i mean stop doing that. it is we're just in that moment right we're just laughing so hard and like she's over there yelling at us and then we're even laughing even more it's not because she's yelling at us but because we're just in that zone right yep and i think about how that later on um helped us shut that off and not have a fun time right when me and my brother were starting to uh, be playing later on in, 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 in our development throughout the lifetimes, right, throughout our hours, throughout our days, depending if we're playing sports, whatever it is, we tend to not laugh as much anymore because we insinuated that if we were laughing, we're having a good time, right, that my mom was going to come in and tell us to stop, mm -hmm. right? We didn't correlate at the time that, well, it might be annoying to hear the same damn scene 15 million thousand times 
So I might not have been that we were laughing. It was because she was tired of hearing the same shit (laughs) 20 times in a row, right? And we just added to that, right? So I could see how being shaped um, at, at at a young age, maybe third grade, fourth grade, and then proceeding on into life later on where we correlated other things. So parts of our personality kind of got hidden because of those types of experiences, right? Is that something that could really um, turn on the smallness in a person, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think those messages come much earlier for most of us. Um, and yeah, I think it's sometimes out of irritation. I think there is a piece, though, that there are these gender norms, too, that, you know, this is what girls do and how they behave. And this is what boys do and how they behave. And I think if you're outside of that norm, particularly um, boys, but I remember as even a little girl who leaned into the more masculine side as, as a child, that that's not what little girls do, you know? And so I think those parts, those aspects of ourselves that become such a significant part of our identity as adults, that we learn to hide that. We learn to, oh, either it's not appreciated or we get punished for it. And so we learn to hide those aspects. And in past podcasts, we have talked about um, you as a child were sensitive to things. And so that message for you was like, we don't do that. Like that's not what, it's not acceptable for boys to be super sensitive to things or to emotionally allow themselves to be vulnerable. And so, you know, we, we put those parts of ourselves away and then we get the message that that's not what's appreciated or that's not what's valued. Um, and then we take that becomes part of our identity. And I think part of our journey and at least what my intent is, is to start to get rid of all that bullshit, right? All of the ideas that we believe to be true for ourselves. We start to unlayer that and recognize that those aspects were really important and that it's okay for us to show up in that truth. It's okay, right? It's okay. How often have we um, misused that term, right? When people ask, how are you? Oh, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You know, um, and when inside we're, we're really feeling some type of way and we're really not okay, right? Because here is, again, it's that, that making you small again to somebody else's issue, somebody else's problems, right? We tend to keep our stuff locked up over here because we don't want to burden other people with our issues, right? Or even let's just say in a workplace, because we could go in a totally different direction with this, right? Let's just say we're, 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 we're side by side and we're performing in a restaurant, right? Or hold on, let's keep it in the family, right? So I got sent over to um, Arizona um, in high school, right? Because I couldn't go to any school in Washington State. And that's a totally different story. But you could just imagine coming from the ghetto, right? You could just imagine. Um, let's just say I was placed in the household and my tias did, my tia started taking care of me, right? Well, then she had her son there also, which is my cousin, right? And so my aunt was constantly um, comparing us in a sense, right? And my cousin would be upset because I got good grades. I went to school all the time. I did things that I was asked of me and he didn't really do that. So there would be times where I didn't want to become the target of my cousin. So I wouldn't do something properly, right? 
is that in a sense making myself small so I didn't like so so I wasn't seen by my aunt you know what I mean because that's like I said it was like a competition and so I wouldn't do my chore or I would fuck up on purpose just because I did it I, it felt I didn't like getting yelled at by my aunt but at the same time I know it would make my cousin feel good that I got in trouble because I wasn't perfect mm-hmm. right because yeah. she held me over here but in reality I was just taught by my mom to do certain things. So I was good all the time. I did this. I knew if I did the things that I needed to do, I could get whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. But because we grew up in household and it's a little bit different and his perspective was, Oh, Mark's over here trying to be better to me. Right. I don't know. Maybe that's what he was thinking. That's why he bullied me. <laughs> right. And then my aunt would make it worse by if she made dinner, she would be like, Mark, what do you want to eat? And not ask him. Right. But he didn't realize that his actions were creating that. Right. So I would I, now that I sit back and think about it, like, oh, shit, I did bad things or I didn't do my chores because I was making myself small in that situation. So I didn't have to be seen by him because I didn't want to outshine him. So I kind of just like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Made out the way. Got a, oh, I never got bad grades, but I didn't do my chore. Right. Or I didn't do something to my ass or I talked back. You know what I mean? That was the worst one. That was I hated talking back to her. Right. But I would do it. Right in front of him so he could see right so he could be like yeah see see you know what i mean but i only did that because it made him feel better at least that's what i was thinking because he wouldn't he 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 would leave me alone when i wasn't perfect yeah i think that happens i think your reflection of it is your self awareness of that happening and i think when we're in it we're just seeking love and acceptance right we're seeking approval love and acceptance because we haven't yet created that within ourselves we haven't developed that sense of um, self just yet and so we seek outside ourselves and we're taught to seek outside ourselves which is a whole different a whole different podcast but that's what we're taught since we're um, very young and um, so we are seeking you know in the beginning it's from our parents and then it moves into our peers and, um, you know, that becomes important. And, you know, the, the story that I always think about when I think of being small is me in, in the work that I've done for 30 years. You know, I've worked in education and early childhood education. And there were so many times because I've been perceived, I get very passionate about things. And I talk from a place of absolute and complete conviction and passion. And that's perceived because, you know, I worked with a lot of white folks perceived as being aggressive. Why are you being white? (laughs) It's like that whole like, you know, whoa, whoa, I'm uncomfortable with her aggressiveness. And it wasn't necessarily uh, my words that were spoken, but how passionate I felt about something so people would feel that. And I have had time and time again where folks have said to me, you know, she, or, or I've heard people say about me that I was a hot-headed Latina because, you know, I just said what I thought. And I've actually even been told that we invited you to have a place at the table, but we really didn't want your opinion. Mm. And so what happens then, you get these messages, especially when you're younger and you haven't stepped into that space of, I think, worth understanding your the how worthy every one of us are um when you haven't come to that place yet you're you're in a very vulnerable state and so i would make myself small or i wouldn't say what needed to be said 
in fear that, you know, I would be rejected or not invited to the table at all. And that didn't last very long for me because I was very, at a very young age, I was very in tune to that and aware of it. But I think a lot of folks continue to do that. Um, they don't speak their truth because there's a fear of rejection and not being loved and accepted. And so, and I have to tell you that my belief system is that when we do that, it manifests into illness, into dis-ease. Because not speaking your truth is not being in alignment with um, what your intended purpose is, which is, you know, healing and growth and learning. Um, and so you, you are suppressing that. And I think your body starts to reject and say, listen, you know, this, this is what you came here to do. And when we continue to ignore that, I think it, it can manifest into not so good things. Yeah, I, I, I can agree. And you just reminded me of something, um, you know, in being in the workforce, um, being in the hospitality industry for like 20 years, man, imagine that 20 years, holy smokes. I'm like a professional in this field. <laughs> <laughs> um, the wisdom I've gained, um, but not speaking up, right. I took a management job at a really at the age of 21. Right. And I thought it was going to be cool with glamorous and management management. Yes. And then you get to boss people around. Right. I didn't realize management meant little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that, right? You were to be seen, but not heard, right? right. Like a child. You right. know what I mean? Especially like yeah. little girls nowadays, right? People are not even nowadays, but way back then, you're supposed to be seen, but not heard. You right. just shut your mouth and you just, you do as I tell you and you go along in life. And however, I didn't realize like <laughs> in management that it really did to this day, it still means little bitch. It means you, you go for it, right? You're like an intern, right? It's basically, oh, you're, you're a, you're, you're, you're a lowly paid babysitter, right? Is what you are. Right. And I, and I realized that, but and as I was going through it, right, I didn't realize that I was getting bitched around. Right. And, and I thought that was part of it. I thought I was just supposed to take that because this is where the glory is going to come later on. Right. And I didn't speak my mind. Right. While I developed anxiety, Right. I developed an anxiety. I developed depression. I didn't realize it. Right. I didn't realize what was happening. I didn't know. And I'd go to the doctor and they're like, you might want to go talk to a counselor. I think you're depressed. It's like, what the fuck? What am I depressed about? Mm -hmm. Well, now that I know, it's because I didn't speak up. Right. I wasn't speaking up. And I found out five, six years later when I opened my eyes a little bit and I thought to myself, why am I over here getting paid a little bit of money to babysit a bunch of little bratty kids? right and getting bitched around to do everything working harder and then my brother next to me is working half the amount of time and making more money than i am what the hell's going on right but i went through that for a reason i had to learn these skills i had to learn what it's like to actually speak up and the minute the moment i chose to speak up and say i'm done with this shit i'm not gonna allow you to fucking punk me no more and use me as your little errand boy whatever you got you go to hell i'm stepping down Right. And a lot of people think, well, why would you step down from such a prestigious um, position like that? It's like, well, because I was worried about me more. And I didn't realize that it was going to help my anxiety. Right. I didn't realize that that's what was happening. But we talk about the intuition. I was listening to my body in a sense. And it said, hey, take, take a step back. You know what I mean? And when I finally did that, that's when a, a weight really lifted off my shoulders. Right. So too many people in this world um, seem to make themselves small when it comes to the world. And you reminded me with your story, right? We invited you to the table, right. but not to speak, 
just to be seen. We it, it would be nice to add some color to this um, round table right here. And, yeah. um, that's what that's what you're there for. Yeah, that's exactly true. And I have to tell you, one of the things, and and again, in another podcast, I know we brought up the four agreements. And the four agreements, one of the agreements is to not take things personal. And that was a really big, that very first time I'd ever read that book, that was a big aha moment for me. Because, you know, everyone says that. Well, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal, right? But what does that really mean? And in order to not take things personal, I think you have to have a strong sense of self. And see, I was an administrator like you in my field of work. I was an administrator of um, crisis intervention programs at a very young age. My first one, I think I was like 23 and I was a director at a crisis intervention program. Um, It was a therapeutic uh, drug and alcohol treatment center. And I was the administrator of the children's part of the program. So women would come in um, probated. Uh, They would get clean or they would detox for 48 hours. And then they would come into this program with their up to three children. And I was the administrator of the children's program. And um, I was making changes. This was in Texas. And Texas was at the time like 20 years behind Arizona in their practices in therapeutic early childhood education. And um, I came in with very different perspectives. You have to remember, I was 23. I was 23. And everybody who worked there was like twice my age plus and thought that I were brown. Oh, and I was brown. Oh, and that was a big deal. I was a brown. And everybody who was an administrator of that agency, not the people who were providing direct services, they were black and brown, but all of the higher ups were white. And I was coming in as someone young, someone brown, and I had very different perspectives about what was traditionally done in education. And um, I learned early on where my voice was acceptable and where it wasn't. And that sense of self, I was still developing because you have to remember, I came from trauma. I came from abuse. And so you cower when there's someone powering over you. Um, And there's that set for me anyway, I cowered, but I also had, because I was this, I was what I call the watch me kid as a, as a child. It was when my mom said, you better not blah, blah, blah. And I was like, watch me. I'm not going to get caught. I'm going to get better at lying, manipulating, and working the system, right? I'm not (laughs) going to get caught, but watch me. I'm going to do it anyway. And I have to tell you that a lot of us brown folks, when we have children, we we push our children to not be watch me kids, and we try to power over them. But the problem when we do that is we just get better at manipulating, at lying, at, um, oh, the police are coming, or mom is coming, or the teacher is coming, right? And so I just got better at that. And so I learned and, you know, it's a strength to some degree until it isn't anymore. But I learned how to manipulate situations so that I could get those needs met or my my perspective um, was heard. And when and again, I'm unlayering all this past trauma and the experiences that I had as a kid. And I finally landed in the space where you get to have your opinion and I get to have my opinion. And it just because I like in order, if I want to make you wrong or make myself right, that's at the expense of making you wrong. And I don't need to do that. That's really a big deal when we're not taking things personal, recognizing that two people can have very different perspectives and still both be right. 
And the second thing that I think that was a big aha moment for me was that when I can speak my truth and step into my, my, my bigness, my grandness, my, the truth of who I am, I give other people permission to do the same. But not everybody will receive me in a way that they'll love and appreciate my honesty, my integrity, my, my words, they may not all appreciate that. And that's where that not taking it personal comes from. You get to have your perspective of me. You get to have, you get to not like me. And that's okay. That is okay. There's that it's okay again, right? Yeah. It's okay. It really is okay, right? And, 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 and sometimes that, that okayness doesn't play well in our heads, right? I think about this because in, in, in the vice versa, right? Let, let's just think about times we made ourselves bigger, right? And we've talked about this in the past. That, um, there was things that I did way back when that I thought to myself, wait a minute, I made myself bigger, but in the form of survival, right? Right. Like I, I it's almost like as we, 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 I, and, and at the home place at my aunt's house, I made myself small for survival, and the reverse range, I made myself big for survival, right? So we're in that survival mode all the time. We didn't realize that it was happening because in order to run the streets, right, I had to pretend to be big, right? But being big wasn't, it, it didn't feel good still because I was lying. I was manipulating. I was cheating, right? Whether people believed it or not, all I had to do was make you, all I had to do was deceive you into thinking that, I had more bullets in my gun than you, right? Or that I was bigger and better and was more dangerous than you. And I would actually cut you when I really didn't want to, right? right. And it's really interesting to see to see how we've been programmed or we've been conditioned through the face of fear, right? So on one spectrum out of fear, right? I made myself bigger in another realm, right? See, so that's the street, right? That's on the street. But then at home, out of fear, made myself small, right? And at the business work, like I, but people would say, Mark, you're so talkative. You're so outgoing. You speak your mind all the time, right? And I do. I have no problem speaking my mind. But for whatever reason, when it came for survival, keeping my job, I shut the fuck up. Right. Right. I'd be quiet. But when they leave, I'd be talking again, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, and it's really interesting to see that because now I, I, it's really weird that you have like aha moments while we're in the middle of conversations and they really be able to link them together. Like right now in this live session, it's like, what? <laughs> 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 it's like, what? Whoa, Missy Sella, you just look what you did. <laughs> look what happened right now. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's like, so, so people listening, right? It, it, it can work really both ways, right? It, it, you, you could make yourself really big in times, right? And then really, really, really small. We just happen to pick the small talk at the moment. But you see how this evolves into other aspects into where who knows where we're going to go next, right? And you said something really interesting. Um, it, it, a lot of the times it's not how we do something, but when we did it, Right. Cause we get sneaky, we get amazing. And sometimes it'd be right in front of people's eyes. Right. And we're right. so good at manipulating that because we attack their unawareness. Right. That's why magicians are so amazing at what they do. It's not how, but it's when, when did I do it? I don't know. You tell me, I didn't even do nothing. I ain't snitching on myself. And if that camera saw me, well, 
I knew it was already there. So I'm just a little bit out of the scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So I want to kind of go back to what you said about you were big on the streets and small at home. I let's, let's kind of unpack that a little bit because I think it, we have to really see what you were seeking. So when we are small, you know, like I shared with in my workplace, you know, I'm, it's a constant state of me. Um, you know, and I have to tell you, this is why I'm so good at language because I have learned how to say what I want to say in a, in a, in a way that is that people don't get defensive. I had a woman say to me one time, she goes, Isela, you have the ability to communicate in a way that you can tell somebody to go to hell. And by the end of the conversation, they would be packing their bags and agreeing with you. (laughs) But that took took a lot, a lot of work for me to get there because the way that I was communicating prior to that was very aggressive. And I don't say aggressive, I would say assertive, but it was heated because of the passion. So I had to learn learn how to engage and I got to go back to because this is a very white dominant culture and there are the ways that white people talk that is acceptable to within our culture and I mean uh, as an American culture but within our families we communicate in ways like people are like why are you yelling at each other like and we're like we're not <laughs> yelling we're just talking to each other right and yeah. so this, how we communicate is such an integral part of um, getting our needs met, saying what needs to be said, all of those things. But I learned early on that that smallness was really about not being rejected. Like I, when I made myself small, I was fearful that, and this is at, this is at the time I wasn't aware of this, but now in hindsight, I'm like, I was making myself small because I was afraid that I wasn't going to be perceived as XYZ professional or, um, somebody who knew what she was talking about or someone who was worthy or valuable. And so when you were talking about that big and small piece, even in the streets, when you made yourself big, there was still a need for connection. Right? Like from your followers or your whoever that your friends were or whoever you were hanging with, there you did that, but there was still something you got from it, right? Yes. Yes. And in both scenarios, there is I'm watching, I'm just seeing the connection right now as you're speaking and as you're talking, because it's it's amazing. And just like you too, I can tell somebody to go F themselves and they would do it kindly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, Good, good okay. idea. <laughs> yeah, good idea. How come I didn't think about that before, right? It's right. Like I work in the hospitality industry, so I got away with guests that I, I, I built that's uncanny, right? People look at me and they're like, how the hell did you do that? Mm-hmm. And they tipped you on top of that. Like, <laughs> yes, it's because right. I'm the nicest asshole you'll ever meet. So <laughs> going back to that, being on the streets and making myself big, right? It was out of survival, right? Because weakness, you can't show in the streets, right? Crying, baby tears, none of that shit. You, you don't play that. Even though you want to, you might be shaking in your boots, right? You just don't show that because it could be, it could be mean life or death. And that's for you and your game, right? Because you're a whole, right? You're a whole. And if you look weak, they probably think all of you are weak. They think you're a bunch of pussies over there and we're not no pussies over here. And we're going to show you. That's why I make myself big. But it was that connectedness, right? It was that belonging to a tribe. It was that wanting your homies to love you and like you and and and, and be like, wow, I want to be like that. You know what I mean? It was that 
that you're right. It's that form of community, right? It's that form of bonding together, right? We understood, well, the system is when we go to school, you know what I mean? Most of our teachers are, they're, they're against us. They're not with us, right? They don't understand the struggles that we're going through. We're out here in these streets. Our parents are out doing whatever the fuck that they're doing, right? And we're out here just kind of fending for ourselves growing up. And who do we have? We have each other, right? right? So now let's, now let's take that same, same similar concept, right? But let's place it into a safer environment, which is home. So in that environment, right, my aunt was taking care of me. She loved me. I knew she loved me. She cooked me food and she had my chores and I did everything possible. But my loyalty was to my cousin, right? My wanting of belonging was to my cousin Raymond because he was like my brother, right? So being big in that situation in my aunt's eyes was all okay and all. But to me, what mattered was what my cousin thought, right? Because we're, we're, we're brothers, right? We're not just cousins. We're really brothers. And we do things alongside of each other. And his emotional intelligence at that moment was, well, let's just face it. He didn't have any. And neither did I really. But I had an awareness. I knew, wait a minute, to keep, this, to keep things copacetic between us and we could still, he wouldn't like alienate me. I could bring myself down a little bit, right? Because I still wanted to be belong to him. I still wanted to be able to have that connection, right? Well, my aunt, well, she's going to love me no matter what. If I keep bringing grades in and, and if I mouth off to her, I was just intelligent, right? Because I'm manipulative, right? I knew that I could mess up here and there, but she's still going to love me. Why? Because she's my tia and she's going to love me. And I'm not making mistakes all the time. I make a mistake just so she's like, oh, he's just a kid and that's what he does, right? Raymond fucks up all the time. If I just mess up one time, it was worse for me though, because she, I didn't expect this from you. Right. But because I brought the good grades in. Right. I didn't get um, as much in trouble. However, the law, the, 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 the belonging, mm-hmm. since we're talking about that. Right. What was I getting out of it? It was that building a better bond with my cousin because he's what mattered more to me in that situation than my aunt, per se, even though she was the one taking care of me. And I love her for that. And I thank her for that, because if not, if I didn't get a chance to go live with her, I'd probably be in the ground or in prison. Right. But that, that's how that happened. That, that, that's what the differences was on the streets versus at home, right? And wanting to belong to something. Yeah, I think it comes down to, um, so if we kind of unpack belonging a little more, it really is about love. We're seeking love and connection. We're seeking um, a, a space where we belong, but it's love and connection. And I think that that's what the fear is. When we, we make ourselves small, whether it's be sometimes in our family structures. So if you're an adult, let's say in a marriage, um, you may just have historically in your lifetime made yourself small. And so now you do so with your husband or even your wife. I mean, whatever that dynamic is, you may make yourself small because you want love and appreciation. And if you challenge that other person, and um, are rejected or somehow, because let me go a little bit further here, we see love as a transaction. And this is this is where we get into, um, <laughs> this is where separation occurs, quite honestly. And what I mean by separation is where we are separated from the truth of who we are, because we see love as a transaction. And so when we see love as an exchange, and we go, oh my goodness, if I say what is true for me, or I step into who I really am, or I start to even unearth who I really am, I may not be loved. And then on the flip side of it, we withhold love. 
right? When someone doesn't please us, we withhold love. So we avoid them, we hold grudges, we, um, you know, speak in a way that, you know, we're pissed off, but we don't have the courage to say that we're pissed off. We don't know how to resolve conflicts. We don't know how to be okay once we have the conflict and we, you know, um, there's still an undercurrent even after we've had a conversation. So all that shit plays out. And so we continue to make ourselves small in fear of what could happen. And we just stay in this space. We stay in this space. And I have to tell you that I work with, because I do coaching as well, I work with a lot of people who are 65 years old plus, who are still in this place of showing up in this world small. So it's not something that just magically we we um, learn about or it goes away. Like that doesn't magically happen with age. It's not like one of those, oh, with, with time comes wisdom. That's bullshit. You actually have to do the work. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's so funny that you said that. It's so funny that you said that because I was having a conversation with somebody and they were like, you know, there a lot of my friends, believe it or not, are in the spectrum of 60 and above, right? So I see that. I understand that. And it, it's not something that just goes away. And right. wisdom is not just, you know what I mean? And, and the other day we're having a conversation. I'm at a bar, right? Which I don't do very often, but I, I decided to play in the 3D realm a little bit to go watch some football, right? And hang out. And we were having conversations. And I, I don't remember what the conversation was about, but it was about something that the gentleman next to me, because he was a few generations older, didn't think I should know about, right? And he turned to me after we were having this conversation. And he says, wait a minute. How was it you have this wisdom that took me 60 years to get and you're barely in your 20s, right? Well, one, I'm not in my 20s, brother. I might look like it. Thank you very much. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's something that I gained along the way. It's that awareness that tapped in, right? I went searching. And when I was in the process of searching, I realized that I had to dig deep within me, right? So wisdom just doesn't come, right? right. It's always there. I feel like it's always there. If you unpack it, like we're unpacking this belonging and this whole situation and these stories, but it's, it's really cool to think like even people at 65, 70, 80, right? And it's really cool to be able to work alongside these beautiful souls because they realize that it's never too late and it's not just going to be handed to them. Right. Right. This is something that you take into your hands. You take into account, you take accountability for the life. Right. And even though you got dealt a shitty hand, sometimes, sometimes that shitty hand could come in handy. Why? Well, because you could really mess up other hands that are around you, right. Or uplift the hands that are around you, depending on how you want to play this, right? You live in an abundant universe or do you live in a scarcity universe, right? I choose to live in an abundant universe, right? And so that that's really, I'm glad that you brought that up because people just sitting here and you're listening to this. This is something that just doesn't like get dropped on your, um, it doesn't come in your mailbox when you turn 65, right? It doesn't come with that, uh, what do you call it? Senior discount credit card that you get or whatever <laughs> it is that puts you over the edge, right? It's not, that's not, that's, it's, a, it's, it's a mindset. It's a way of life. It's a lifestyle, right? And it's, yeah. Whew. Oh my gosh. Where are we, like, where, where, where are we going? <laughs> yeah, I think um, that making us small can be comfortable too. Because, yeah. um, you know, it's what I've always done. It's the way people know me. 
Um, you know, it made me think of many years ago, I used to teach for colleges and a university. And I used to teach these cohort groups to help uh, professionals get their initial certification and then into their de degree program. And I had an older lady. She was, I think, about 65 in our group, maybe a little bit older. And um, she had grandchildren. And she looked like the stereotypical grandma. She had the gray hair that was curly, you know, short. She wore smocks or aprons while she was in, because I've worked with teachers, so she was in the classroom and she had an apron that she would wear. And she would wear like kind of a muumuu type of dress. And she just looked like the stereotypical grandma who had cookies ready for you when you got home or when you visited. And I remember we had these conversations about livelihood and um, you know, doing things that it didn't really matter what age you were, that you could really continue to enjoy life and like travel and do all of these things that you always wanted to do. She had children young and then had grandchildren young. And so she kind of felt like her responsibility was to her family. And, and then we, I don't know, we, you've got to remember this was over uh, in a semester, actually several semesters that I had her. So we would have conversations about that. We would have conversations about our appearance. We would have conversations and she would say to me, this is what people expect of me. They expect me to look this way. They expect me to behave this way. They expect me to be this grandmotherly um, person to them. And I said, but what do you want? And she looked at me like no one had ever asked her this question before. I said, what do you want in terms of who you are? And she sat there dumbfounded for several minutes and she said, I don't know. I don't know. I've never even thought about that. So I think that if you're listening today, I, I want to put that out there because I think sometimes when we haven't been given permission to be who we truly are, that we've taken the messages that we receive from our parents, from our coworkers, from bosses, we pack away aspects of who we are and we become comfortable showing up the way that we always have and how people expect us to show up. And then we go, why am I depressed? Why am I unhappy? Why don't I feel joy in my life day to day? What are you talking about? Abundance and choice. Hell, this is my life and it doesn't feel good. Well, it doesn't feel good because you have that shit packed away that you haven't been willing to unpack and allow yourself to be. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. Who are you? What do you want? Right. right. <laughs> what do you want? There's so many choices, but there's really not. Right. There's really not a choice. There's one you. If you're listening to this, there's only one you. And you're not going to figure out who you are by looking anywhere else and asking people to tell you who you are or to tell you what you like. The only way to do that is to actually sit down. Right. And contemplate on it. Right. Um, I, I found out a lot about myself this last um, four months, right? Because I do a lot of, I, I've done a lot of workshops, right? I've done a lot, I read a lot of books, right? But when it comes to those parts where they ask you to do the exercise, like I don't need to do that. Why do I need to do that? You know, but when it comes to asking myself, who are you? What is it that you want to do? It's like, I don't know. I'm just kind of being guided and by seeing what, what, whatever the world would like me to be. But in the last four months, I've really gotten down, right? I, 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 
got a coaching certification, right? I did my shamanic studies, right? And I'm constantly getting ready to get ready, right? Because I'm, uh, I'm always, if I'm constantly getting ready, well, then I don't have to go out there and play yet, right? That, that, that's, that's that playing small part again. Like, I'm going to keep learning. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn. But I realized, wait a minute, within actually sitting down and doing these exercises and asking myself, who am I when I'm alone, right? What is it? What would my life look like in five years, right? What, what is my ideal day? And just play. I just played with it. Like, it didn't even even have to be just play just use your imagination like no old bar you're creating your own life five years from now even 10 years from now if you can't believe you can do it in five right and then ever since i did that i've been able to open up and um especially through this podcast right it's been able to help me out a lot it's like stepping on that stage right like initial state was excitement but at the same time like wait a minute people are gonna see me <laughs> now now that you said that, that there's a video right there's gonna be <laughs> we could put these on videos like oh shit that's even more scary like hearing my voice is one thing right when i first started rapping and i heard my voice for the first time on a track i was like embarrassed about it like oh no people are gonna hear this and what are they gonna yeah. think it doesn't matter what they think right so now that i was able to sit down and reflect on some of these questions and people you out there listening you could go onto the internet right and you could type in life coaching questions right and just reflect on those. You could go onto YouTube and watch videos. You could call me up on my Instagram. You could call Isela up. The matter of the point is, is just find out who you are. Unpack that shit. Unpack those bags. Unpack those. What do you say? U-Haul? That U-Haul stuff? Some of you don't even got bags. You got U-Hauls full of shit. Right. Like, <laughs> freight train, right? Like, some of your shit's so big, it's on a ship in the port that's backed up that can't get into the United States right now. Like, right. <laughs> it's way over there you know what i mean but but really just do that and see what happens right and i'm gonna let you know it's not gonna be the easiest thing to do right but it'll be one of the smartest things you've ever done in a long time right you might cry a little bit you might get angry and pissed off right but then again you might just pick up the phone and call your dad or your mom or an abuser and say hey you know what I forgive you and I love you and I don't need to understand or why you did something or what you did to me, but I just let you know that I have this love for you and I release you. Right. And magical shit happens, right? Magical shit happens in your life and you tend to fear less, right? You don't become fearless. Look, <laughs> you tend just to fear less because that same fear that you've been living in your whole life, Right, that's been stopping you, making you play small or play big when you need to for survival. When it comes to that thriving mode, you just fear less, right? You still get scared, but then you use that fear as a fuel to propel you forward, to pull your dreams closer to you. Because if your dreams don't scare you, well, then you might not be dreaming big enough, right? If you're five years from now, doesn't seem like there's no way in how I could do that. You don't have to worry about the how, it's just the why and what. You know what I mean? And then work on yourself. Go do that little journaling exercise that I told you about. Find somebody to help you. And let me tell you slowly but surely, you'll have your own podcast. You'll be sitting here with the amazing, beautiful, brown Dr. Isela Garcia. <laughs> right? Or somebody different. Yeah. Right? But the idea is, is to get to know who you are. Right? Would you agree? Yeah. I, you know, you said so many things there. I, I think a future podcast needs to be about forgiveness because you talked about releasing and, and letting go. And I think that's what gets in the way for a lot of folks. Um, so we've got to kind of keep that in the back of our head because forgiveness is a big one. Um, but I think that one of the things that's most critically important is the fear of what other people will think of you. 
I, I, man, I still struggle with that at times because, you know, I am in a field of work and I'm still in this field of work in education where, you know, folks are, you know, and I'm woo woo, I'm as woo woo as it gets, you know? And so it's like, <laughs> what are you trying to teach our children? Or, you know, you're bringing in all of these belief systems and, you know, we don't want that. That's, you know, in worst case, it's the work of the devil and having grown up <laughs> Catholic, I, you know, have that fear that I'm going to be seen and people are going to think that I'm batshit crazy, right? Or doing the work of the devil. And so I had really for a long time struggled with that. And still to this day, I'm very aware of it. I still am like, okay, you know, how much am I willing to put myself out there? How much am I willing to say? Like even me saying I can connect with people who have died, that was scary as hell. You know, because again, there's this perspective that, you know, you're crazy. No one can do it. What do you think? You're Jesus? You're not Jesus. <laughs> you know, and so we spin into these stories of, um, of being fearful of what people are going to think of me. And, you know, I always, I started doing this worst case scenario with my daughter, who's 13. She sometimes will have some anxiety about things that are going to happen, like, you know, first day of school or, you know, what's going to happen when I start high school. And I, and I said, let's, let's go to the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario is, did you die? No, but even if you did, you know, we continue to exist beyond this experience. <laughs> Yeah, your mama can still talk to you. <laughs> right. We used to have a relationship. But I mean, like, what is the worst case scenario? And they are basically stories we've created in our minds. That's it. And usually the That's worst it. case isn't what happens. No. Unless you think about it a lot, a lot, a lot. And then you pull it into yourself, right? <laughs> then you pull it into yourself, right? And you created it. Right. That's so that's 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 so amazing. Like the worst case scenario, you know what I mean? I really switched to that. That mindset to the best case scenario, right? The best case scenario. Now I focus on those ones, and you know what I mean. It's <laughs> these, these these calls always amaze me, right? Because we started with something so so seems so small, right? <laughs> no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but something so small, right? And then it developed into this, and now we got notes for what we could possibly talk about on the next time. And like, when I go through those, when we go through these talks and we, we go through these stages of when whoever one of us is talking, guys, it really is. I black out sometimes, right? And just the words come through me, right? I just surrender and just, right. I, 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 I don't even know if I hear these things or if I feel these things or whatever it is, but it just comes out. So sometimes you could ask me, what did you just say? And I'd be like, I don't know. I had to listen to the replay. <laughs> yeah. And yep. So anybody out? Yeah. But that's because you're in alignment. When we, when we do this, it's a surrender and being in alignment with our highest, truest selves. Like somehow this, and you know, sometimes when we linger on a topic, like I don't even know why we're lingering or why we went in this direction, but I trust that something beyond myself is leading that. Yes. And that's a perfect time to let go of the wheel. And with that being said, we are at the hour. Look at that. Perfect. What a mic drop position to be in. It's like we just know automatically, guys. So thank you for tuning in. We hope to, uh, let's see, we got to figure something out so they can really connect with us more and more. Uh, there's got to be a way that um, they're able to message like on the podcast or something. I don't know. We got this in the works, guys. I'm telling you, we're just kind of flying about the edge of our seat. But when I'm getting a little more a um, little more precise on how I set things up. So that's something I'm going to look into. Cool, cool. 
Ah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, so thank you very much for tuning in to another session of Brown and Spiritual AF. You guys have a great mother loving week and we'll be you'll be hearing from us soon. Peace out. you really are.